0: People sometimes speculated about whether the Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, was crazy brave or just crazy. He was heroically brave. I mean, mean, insanely brave. Vladimir Putin had Navalny poisoned, disappeared, imprisoned. And today, the Russian authorities declared him dead at the age of 47.
1: He was a patriot of a democratic Russia, of a free Russia, of a Russia that actually doesn't exist, and and I don't think will be existing anytime soon. It was that patriotism, ultimately, that that really cost him his life.
0: Navalny's life was so dangerous that one time he was asked what he'd say to Russians from beyond the grave.
1: For the uh, situation when I'm killed, it's very simple, not give up. Do me a favor, answer this one
0: in Russian. The life and afterlife of Vladimir Putin's bravest adversary, coming up on Today Explained. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Сегодня и что оно означает?
1: This is today explained.
0: Luke Harding is the senior international correspondent for The Guardian. He's also written several books about Russia, including Mafia State. I asked Luke, what does he think happened to Alexei Navalny?
1: Well, I think Alexei Navalny was murdered uh, by the Kremlin, almost certainly with the personal authorization of Vladimir Putin, Russia's president.
0: Why do you think this happened now, Luke? I think for two reasons.
1: One is that... There are elections coming up in Russia. Uh, whenever you say the word elections, you have to do little airmarks, inverted commas, uh, around it because obviously it's not a real competitive vote. It's a sort of coronation. But but what you have to understand is that the, the, the Kremlin, Putin and the people around him, are notoriously paranoid uh, and they have long regarded Alexei Navalny as, as a threat and an irritant. And so for them, this is sort of tidying up uh, ahead of elections um, and... As as Stalin famously said, no man, no problem. Now now Navalny has gone, there is no problem for Putin um in terms of possible um opposition protests against him. And at the same time, I think I think that the big reason, the most compelling reason, is what's happening internationally. Um and in particular in the US. What's happening is that Putin looks across to America and he sees Weakness uh, and division. He sees Donald Trump saying very loudly, very clearly, that that if he's re-elected as president, he will not come to the aid of NATO's allies. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You got to pay. You got to pay your bills. He sees Republicans in Congress blocking vital aid to Ukraine, which is allowing Russian troops to push forward as we speak on the battlefield, I think the wind is in his sails. He thinks things are going in his direction, that that he can prevail in Ukraine, that the West is pretty feeble, and that America in particular is is paralyzed. Um, And so, in a sense, he's doing this because he can do this. He knows there'll be words of outrage, condemnation, and so on. And... Those guys that are the top, top of Russian power, they take some pleasure from that. They, they enjoy discomforting the Kremlin's enemies and they enjoy sticking it to America.
0: Let's talk about Navalny himself. What made Alexei Navalny
1: so significant, so important? I, I think what made um, Navalny so important and significant was the fact that he actually could talk to people. Who I mean, he—he he was the nearest thing that that Russia had to to a really strong um, politician, a genuine politician, as opposed to a kind of Soviet-style apparatchik or, or, or bureaucrat. He could stir people up. He could denounce the Kremlin, and he was brilliant on social media. His his video in- investigations into Putin's personal corruption and and. Uh, those around him, clocked up millions of views. In 2017, after announcing his intentions to run for president, Navalny was attacked with green dye. Twice. Maybe the Kremlin thinks that I will not record videos with a green face, he said, but now even more people will watch. So he was a genuine threat, despite being barred from state television, television despite having no access to conventional media resources. He got a profile, he got a following. In any democratic situation, he would have been Russia's president. And now, of course, that's never going to happen.
0: Tell us about Alexei Navalny's early life and how he came to be where he
1: was? Well, he was a lawyer uh, initially. He was quite a successful lawyer in the 1990s from kind of European Russia, grew up there. Um, And I think what what was interesting was that, that uh, Around about the beginning of Putin's presidential term, um, he started becoming what you might call an activist shareholder. In other words, he decided to invest he, to investigate kind of corruption by, by the state and, and by big state companies like the oil and gas giant, Gazprom, uh, and and other kind of sort of corporate beer moths. In 2011, he started the Anti-Corruption Foundation, which exposed the extravagant wealth of Russian officials, including... President Vladimir Putin. Essentially, during Vladimir Putin's Russia, two things have been going on. One is this big, noisy, terrible um, nationalist project or imperialist project that we, we, we see at the moment unfolding in Ukraine. But the other is simple theft by, by people close to Putin who are now all billionaires. They've stolen billions and billions of dollars. And Navalny exposed that. Um, he was a nationalist. Some of his views were quite right-wing, I think, um, controversially. And he got more and more of a following. And and initially, when I was in Moscow, between 2007 and 2011, when when I met him, he he was pretty well known in Russia, not not so much known abroad for investigations and and for campaigns. And I remember seeing him, and he was a bit like a sort of teacher, like a clever and gifted teacher. Mm. And we were discussing corruption in a particular firm, and he was sketching on a whiteboard various schemes going to top Kremlin officials. And there was something sort of infectious about his enthusiasm. And he got more and more of a profile. He, he stood to be mayor of Moscow. And obviously, he was never going to win, but he did surprisingly well. And then, of course, the Kremlin barred him from formal politics. So he took to the streets, uh, set up his own political party, and challenged and vexed the Kremlin.
0: By 2020, Alexei Navalny is the most prominent voice of the Russian opposition. And then something very striking happens. He's poisoned. Can you tell us what happened there?
1: He was dramatically poisoned. Um, What what is striking about about the Kremlin and the the, the Putin regime is that they've got a taste for the theatrical, the flamboyant, the demonstrative. And Navalny was campaigning in southern Russia, um, and we now know um, a team of agents from the FSB, that's Putin's domestic um, intelligence agency, uh, successor to the KGB, were following him around. Actually, for for several years, but but finally moved in for the kill, and and that one of them applied poison, Novichok, a, a deadly nerve agent, to Navalny's underpants. I, I mean, it's it's almost a dark farce. And, and Navalny went to the airport to to fly back to Moscow, and about half an hour after takeoff, he, he collapsed. And there's really terrible footage of him howling um, and screaming. He's taken off the plane. Um, and and in- incredibly, the doctors uh, who don't know what has happened treat him with atropine, which is an, a, actually a kind of um, antidote to, to Novichok, and, and he survives. And he's made to Germany where he recovers. It takes him about six months. And then he goes back to Russia. But th- 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 this is the same substance, this, this toxic substance, which was used um, a couple of years earlier in, in England uh, in a town called Salisbury against a Russian defector called Sergei Skripal. And and we know, of course, that that it's only Russian spy agencies that have access to it. And just the final twist in this extraordinary story is that when he's recuperating, he works with the investigative um, online outfit Bellingcat and calls up one of his poisoners and tricks his poisoner to confessing everything. Navalny stayed in character for for 49 minutes and kept bullying the poor guy to give him more information and more information.
0: Unbelievable. Poor, poor guy. Poor guy.
1: They will kill him. They will kill him, <laughs> literally. I, I think he'll be president, seriously, <laughs> after this. They will definitely kill me. It, it, it's astonishing. I mean, he, he was brave, he was daring, he was extraordinary. And, and, and boy, we're going to miss him now he's gone.
0: What happened after he returned to Russia from Germany? Tell us about his last few years.
1: I mean, I, I was watching in real time as he as he flew back on the plane from from Berlin to Moscow. It was full of journalists.
0: Mr. Navalny from Israeli television aren't you afraid, Mr. Navalny? He,
1: in classic Navalny style, spent half the flight watching Rick and Morty cartoons. He he was a big fan of the show, <laughs> um, and then he gave a press conference, showing that basically telling the world that he was going back, that he wasn't afraid, um, and he goes to passport control and of course, of course, of course, he's he's arrested. He's detained by uniformed Putin officers um who take him away. And and what what's what's sort of sad really is is thinking back about those images, there's there's a kind of hug for his wife, Julia. That they have a brief embrace and they kiss each other on the lips and and that's it. Off he goes. And he doesn't emerge. I mean from from that point onwards he, you hear from him occasionally, either directly, sometimes via via social media, via via Twitter, X, and sometimes through his lawyers. But he disappears into this dark, unaccountable prison gulag system in Russia, and he's he sort of bounced from place to place. So sometimes he surfaces, and then he goes missing for a couple of weeks. And and his last um, la- last place he 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 was incarcerated was was in this. Um, Grim prison 2000 miles away from 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 Moscow near the Arctic circle which is tr- traditionally where where Stalin sent his enemies to to the frozen north and and there of course far away from from journalists far away from international observers i think he was murdered if if your suspicion is
0: correct and we should say it's the suspicion of a lot of people an autocratic world leader has murdered a popular opposition leader. This is a very big deal. What would Vladimir Putin have been thinking?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, Vladimir Putin doesn't care about human life. It's a matter of of complete and breezy indifference to him. He doesn't care about killing people, but he is very keen on symbolism. And I think um, the timing of of Navalny's death is is to do with U.S. weakness, uh, the fact that, that... Congress uh, under Republican leadership won't, won't pass aid packages to Ukraine. It's to do with upcoming presidential elections in Russia, which he will win, of course, minimizing risk there. And it's also to do with the, the Munich Security Conference, which opened today in Germany. And I, I think what, what's, what's interesting about that is the Munich Security Conference, a lot of people have forgotten, but in 2007, in his second presidential term, Putin um, denounced US hegemony, or as he put it, kind of the, the unipolar world. In other words, the current kind of political system dominated by Washington. And he made it clear that he intended to disrupt it, that Russia had been cheated, w- was being encircled, taken for granted, its voice was being ignored in international affairs. And he would no longer play by the White House's rules. One state, and of course, first and foremost, the United States, has overstepped its
0: national borders in every way. It imposes on other nations. Well, who Who likes this? this? Who is is happy happy about
1: this? This? That was a statement of intent back then. And, of course, now, as as Russia's enemies, as he would see it, gather in Munich, they are all talking about one thing, which is Navalny's death.
0: Coming up, Luke Harding will be back with us on the fate of the Russian opposition without Alexei Navalny.
1: You can upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash explained. It rhymes with since.
0: Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. every employee with limits and restrictions automate expense reporting so you don't waste time ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to that could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com explained, ramp.com explained, ram explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply. Forward for today explained comes from indeed searching for a new person to join your team can take a lot of time without the right tools and indeed agrees that's a pain they're all about matching you with the perfect candidate indeed's matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast and according to indeed it's constantly learning from your preferences to get more accurate over time indeed also says they can help you streamline some of the busy work of hiring scheduling screening messaging. According to Indeed data, they have over 350 million global monthly visitors. They also did a recent survey that showed 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Listeners of Today Explained can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Today Explained. You can go to Indeed.com slash Today Explained. And tell them you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Today Explained, which will let them know you heard about Indeed on Today Explained. Indeed.com slash Today Explained. Terms and conditions do apply. If you need to hire, says Indeed, you need Indeed. Indeed. It's Today Explained. We're back with Luke Harding. He's The Guardian's senior international correspondent. Luke, how are Russians reacting today to Alexei Navalny's death?
1: Russians are being relatively muted. I mean, the ones inside the country, of course, there hasn't been a kind of huge or or vocal condemnation. But you wouldn't expect that because you, you post something on Twitter critical of Putin or um, against the war, and you're pretty quickly kind of rounded up by the police, and very often sentenced to jail terms of seven, eight, nine years. What what we have been seeing uh, uh, are very clear um, responses from um, political allies of Navani living outside the country in the Baltic states in Europe or in London. Uh, or or elsewhere, they all say the same thing, that that Navalny was murdered. The Kremlin murdered Navalny. Putin personally murdered Navalny. And I've just been watching Navalny's wife, Yulia, who's at the Munich Security Conference, giving such a, a moving and powerful speech. I guess you all have already seen this horrible news coming from Russia.
0: I was thinking for a long time, what should I do? should I go here, or should I fly straight to see my kids? But then I thought, what would Alexei do if he was here? And I'm sure that he
1: would have chosen to to be here, to come to this stage. And she then? essentially says that she holds Putin in his circle, personally responsible for everything that has happened to Russia, her country, to her family, and to her beloved husband.
0: But if it is true, I want Putin and all his allies, all his friends, his government, I want them all to know that they would be held responsible for what they have done with our country with my family,
1: with my with my husband. husband. She speaks for about three minutes. It's incredibly moving. It's so sad. And and she's right. It's what Navalny would have wanted. He would have wanted people to carry on, to fight, to, to kind of continue with his legacy.
0: Has the Kremlin said anything today?
1: Well, the, the Kremlin is doing what it always does, which is hide behind bureaucratic obfuscation. There was a statement from the Russian Federal Penitentiary Service saying Mr. Navalny collapsed, our doctors did everything they could to revive him, but very sadly, after half an hour, he was pronounced dead, which is bewildering. Uh, Navalny appeared yesterday on a video looking gaunt and thin, but also cheerful, and essentially himself joking and laughing with prison staff in a brief court appearance. So he goes from that to being dead. And clearly, something happened to him between yesterday and today, I sort of think that it's going to be a long time before we know the full truth about what happened to Navalny. What's
0: the status of the opposition in Russia now without Navalny? Who else, who else sticks in Putin's craw? Who else threatens him politically?
1: I, I think th- there is no um, opposition to to Vladimir Putin, or not not much. I mean, in terms of formal opposition, there hasn't been any for a long time. There is what you might call system opposition in the shape of the communists who kind of formally opposed vladimir putin but in reality have been co-opted by the russian government and pose no real threat but they're a sort of outlet for discontent and then there's the kind of liberal opposition the non -non non-systemic opposition which nivani led very successfully and and they've been pretty much wiped out as as russia has lurched from authoritarian country to to totalitarian state which more and more resembles something out of George Orwell in 1984, where up is down and black is white and war is peace and freedom is slavery, or slavery is freedom. There was a kind of token opposition candidate who was supposed to be on the ballot paper for for March's presidential election, and he's recently been disqualified. So it's a dictatorship.
0: Luke, sometimes in a case like this, you have an opposition leader who's killed, and the people that are left behind, the opposition that are left behind, they capitalize on it by getting people angry and out into the streets and protesting this is a move that should infuriate some percentage of Russians right but it sounds like what you're saying is there is no leader to take the baton from Navalny there is nobody who can successfully call a million people out into the streets in protest of this
1: uh, I mean, there were leaders. There was someone called Boris Nemtsov, uh, former uh, deputy prime minister in, in the nineteen nineties, who who was uh, actually quite similar to Navalny. He he was ruggedly good looking. He was charismatic, popular. the The problem was that the, that he was also murdered. He was he was shot dead outside the Kremlin. Nemtsov has gone. Navalny has gone. A whole host of other critics, where I am in London, have also been murdered, such as um, Alexander Levonienko, who was a, a FSB whistleblower working for Putin's security services who denounced Putin. And also Levonienko's patron, a, a Russian oligarch called Boris Berezovsky, who was found mysteriously hanged at his ex-wife's home uh, in the British home counties. And so this is the problem, is that a- anyone who really has stood up to Putin in a sort of serious way has met with a murky end. R- Russia is very different from the U.S. or indeed any other democratic society where, where I- in America, for all of the bitter partisan divisions, there is a conversation, quite a noisy, shouty conversation. In in Russia, there is no conversation. What there is is 24-7 propaganda which extols the, the regime and its leaders and, and, and Putin, but also peddles myths and dark fairy tales that America wants to destroy and, and occupy Russia, that the Europeans are decadent and corrupt and effeminate. And and what I also find kind of quite bewildering is that there are a few kind of prominent Americans, I shan't name them, but you know who I'm talking about. I sure do. Who seem to love Vladimir Putin and think that he is a kind of good example of, of what America should become. which. I find quite chilling. It would be funny were it not for the fact that actually this project to to make America into a kind of Russia or a russia light uh, appears to be in full swing.
0: Vladimir Putin's anger, as you've described it, is in part that he thinks the West is interfering in his Russia. How is the West responding today to Alexei Navalny's death?
1: Well, I mean, the West is responding with with predictable outrage and condemnation um, and and shock and, and sorrow. Make no mistake, Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. Putin is responsible. What has happened to Navalny is yet more proof of Putin's brutality. A lot of European leaders have have met Navalny personally. They've, they've seen him. He's spoken to the European Parliament. When he was poisoned, um, one of the people at his bedside was the former German chancellor, Angela Merkel. And they're not mincing words. I mean, the Lavians have said, that Putin murdered Navalny. David Cameron, the British Foreign Secretary, has said that, that, that he holds the kind of Russian state responsible um, for, for what, what has befallen Navalny. And there's a lot of condemnation. But you can see Putin kind of laughing at all of this. The, the more discomfort his enemies feel, the better it is for him. He's also made a public appearance and seems in a t- tremendously good mood today. I mean, the question is, what could the Europeans do? Well, they're already arming Ukraine. They're already trying to boost uh, defense production and and to make more artillery shells, which the Ukrainians desperately need. I think, really, all eyes turn to America and to Mike Johnson and to the Republicans. I mean, will this kind of shift them uh, out of their opposition to to Ukraine and sort of support or quasi-support for Russia? Or will they just kind of ignore it and say, well... Dictators kill people, that's the price of doing effective politics. So I, I don't know, but I think it's a kind of big moral test for those people. And l- let's see if they pass it.
0: What do you think Alexei Navalny's legacy will be?
1: I think Navalny's legacy is the idea, and for now it is an idea, it's not been realized, that Russia can be a normal, successful, democratic country where there are genuine elections, where, where leaders can campaign Uh, They can make promises. They can be held to account where there is rule of law, where uh, institutions like the police or the security services work for the people rather than against the people. Now, that sounds almost like a utopian vision, but I think it's important because there is an argument which says Russia is so vast, such a big country, so sprawling, that that it can never be a democracy, that it's impossible. The, The weight of history is too great. And Navalny was saying hey, guys, that's not true. We live in a modern world where people have smartphones, where there are VPN connections, where there is internet, where you can make a video exposing corruption and and five million people will watch it and like it. He he was saying that Russia doesn't have to be that sort of horrendous sort of Soviet um, creature, that it could turn into something kind of brighter and better. And... I don't know if that's going to happen. I would wish it to happen. But he has opened up that possibility that there's an alternative vector for Russia with the right leadership, with the right international support, and with the right politicians in Washington. And so I think that's a tremendous legacy. And and it's just a really sad day and, and, and awful that he had to pay so heavy a price to make that point.
0: That was The Guardian's Luke Harding. Luke's most recent book is Invasion. It's about Russia's war in Ukraine. It's very good. Today's episode was produced by Miles Bryan and Jesse Alejandro Cottrell. Our editor is Matthew Collette. We had fact checking from Laura Bullard, Amanda Llewellyn, and Avishai Artsy. Rob Byers is our engineer. I'm Noelle King. It's Today Explained.